Hi, this is Blake Andrews, lead pastor at Victory World Outreach, Denton, Texas. This is our podcast, and we're so glad that you came to check it out today. I hope this message encourages you and inspires you to do great things for God. How many got one more praise in them this morning? How many got one more clap in you this morning? One more shout in you this morning? How many know he's worthy this morning? Amen? Come on, let's give Jesus the biggest praise, clap, shout, hallelujah. We honor you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. How many know he's here? How many believe he's here right now? Amen. The Bible says, clap your hands, all you people. Shout unto God with the voice of triumph. Amen. 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 Before you sit down, just tell someone around you that you don't know. Look around, find someone that you don't know and say, I'm glad you're here. Try to find someone you don't know. Amen. When was the last time you gave someone a compliment? Tell them, you look good in church. Praise God. There's a good spirit here. So, such a privilege. I don't know if you think like I do. I'm always thankful for the, the opportunity to come to God's house. Amen. This is where the Lord lives. He lives in us. But when we gather like this, it pleases him. How many like to please the Lord? And when he sees a house full of people that came to worship him, because I don't know about you, I didn't come to see you. I came to give Jesus glory. Amen. You're just a bonus that I get to see you. But we do get to worship together and encourage each other and challenge each other and uh, celebrate lives like this and celebrate marriages and families and decisions and miracles and the goodness of God. How many know God has been good? Has he been faithful to anybody in here? Better than we deserve? They used to say in the old churches, he'd been better than I deserve. Amen. It's also good to have uh, our newest grandson in the house. Beckett's in the house today. Beckett Tate for the first time. Amen. Three grandkids and a fourth one on the way. I'm so blessed. How can I not be happy? Amen. Well, I have a word for you this morning. I want to get right into it. Just brace yourself this morning. Amen. Because it's going to be good, but it's going to hit us in our chest a little bit. How many like words like that? It's going to get us to think a little bit. You know, I'm, I'm just going to tell you this. The first service was not quite as exciting, but I believe that some of our serve team was in the first service, and I can just feel there's a little better spirit because after this message. I think there's already some fruit because it's going to make you think. Amen? And we, we need to think at church. We need to realize that we're here for a short amount of time, and that God is going to speak to us. Does that blow anybody else away? I'm, I'm blown away that I'm the messenger this morning, that I get to be the one that he speaks through. But he's going to speak to us. The God, the creator of this universe, is going to speak to us this morning. How many believe that this morning? And he's got a word that, as I said in that text yesterday, if you will pay attention, it will change your life, literally. And uh, I have never preached this message in 30 years. I, liked, I like when God gives me new recipes. It's not that there's anything new in the Bible. He's just given something new to me. But I've been working on it for a few weeks, and I uh, was excited to see 
uh, some faces back in the house in the first service we haven't seen for a while. It's good to see faces back in the second. If you're a guest this morning, uh, we're going to make you stand up and come up here and give a speech. Just kidding. We want you to know you're welcome. Let's let our guests know they're welcome this morning. I can see the sweat on some of y'all's palms from here. Some of you were, some of you were looking for the exit. We know we don't do that. We just want you to know that we're glad you're here. But I want to pray, and I want us to, if we've never listened to a message before with a focus, focus, not on lunch, not what you got to do this week, but just take this little bit of time to hear a word from God that really will bring fruit into our lives. Will you pray with me this morning? Father, we open up our hearts, and Lord, we ask you to speak to us. Lord, this word is living. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. It divides bone and marrow, soul and spirit. And I know your anointing is in this place. I know your presence is here. I know the devil's working overtime on people. He's lying and deceiving and challenging and, and things are happening to cause us to be distracted. But Lord, as we're talking in that series on Wednesday nights, we're not going to allow the spirit of deception to come into our lives this morning. We open our hearts. We open our minds. And we ask you to arrest our minds this morning for just a few minutes so that this word can come in and the seed can fall on good ground and, and bring forth 30, 60, or even 100-fold fruit this morning. And devil, you are defeated. The blood of Jesus is against you. You have no power. You have no authority. And you cannot touch, lie, or deceive God's people. And I declare a, a victory this morning and fruit from this message in Jesus' name. Everybody said? Just say, Lord, speak to me this morning. I want to read a story. I don't do lots of stories, but I want to read a story, and I want you to really pay attention to the story, and I want you to put yourself in the story. And uh, I'm going to put the title up so you can get an understanding of where I'm going. And the title is, What Kind of House Are You Building? What Kind of House Are You Building? Um, and I, I have, I have, in my text a lot of times now, I just is something I do, I, I capitalize, like when you see I send the verses, I capitalize certain key words. The key this morning is not the person on your left or your right. The key is you. Tell the person next to you he's talking to you. God is talking to you this morning. So as we listen to this story, I want you to put yourself in this story, and, and it's going to be about a man uh, that I can kind of relate to. In several different ways, he's a builder, and uh, I've been blessed in my life to be able to learn how to build. Uh, I'll tell a quick story about my my father and I, because I was someone asked me that this week. I I've learned I know how to paint, I know how to build decks, I know how to build walls, I know how to. I've done a lot of the work in this church with the help of a lot of people, uh, remodeled homes and mobile homes and all kinds of different things, and and learned just by doing it. Just by figuring it out. And I remember someone asked me this last week, how did you learn how to do decks? And I said, oh, I've got a good story for that. Actually, it was Pastor Paul. Pastor Paul was visiting our house. He said, how did you learn how to do decks? And I said, me and my father were sitting in an office in Irving, and uh, we needed work. And the guy said, hey, do you guys do decks? And my dad said, yes. And I kicked him underneath the table. And we got out there, and he said, well, I want, to get, want you guys to give me an estimate on that deck. And we got outside, and I said, Dad, what are you doing? We've never built a deck in our lives. He said, we're going to figure it out. We took that deck apart, and we figured it out. We put it back together, and we made money on it, and that, be, that began it. So you learn by building, right? You learn by doing it and putting your hands to it. 
And uh, this particular man in this story is also a man who was in a small town, and I can relate to this as well, as my dad has told me that on my grandma's side, my mammal's side here in Denton, the Clearmans, if anybody knows who the Clearmans are, uh, built a lot of Denton. Maybe you're too young to know that, but a lot of the houses in the original city of Denton were built by the Clearmans, and that's my, my great uncles, Bill and Her- uh, Bill and Billy and uh, I'm forgetting, H, Hank. Billy and Hank built lots of houses. And so in this story, there was a very gifted and and talented contractor who was building homes in the small town where he lived. And he had built pretty much almost all the homes in the town. And so as he was getting older, he wanted to stop working. He wanted to retire. And unfortunately, after all the years of working, he had never been able to buy his own home. So one day, the wealthiest man in town came to the contractor he said, I want you to build a house for me. And he said, I want you to build the finest house to your ability that you're capable of. I want you to spare no expenses. I'm going to go away for a long trip. And when I come back in a few months, I'm hoping that the house will be finished. So the contractor agreed to the job and was about to begin the work. When the thought struck him, he said, this wealthy man already has several houses. I don't have my own. I'm going to use inferior material. I'm going to cut as many corners as possible. I'm going to do this house as quickly as possible. I'm going to make it look really good on the outside, but I'm going to charge him the full amount, and I'm going to pocket whatever is left over so I can build my own house. So that's what he did. When the rich man returned, he went to view the house, and he was impressed. He says, it looks beautiful. The wealthy man turned to the contractor and said, the house looks wonderful. Thank you so much for sparing no expense. Thank you so much for doing such a good job. I intend to give this home to a dear friend who deserves a house like this one. With that, he handed the keys over to the contractor and said, this is your new home, my friend. Congratulations. How many know where I'm going with this? That is is what God wants to speak to us today, I believe, in the spirit of, of what kind of house are we building for ourselves. Now, this is not a message, for the again, for the person on your left or your right, because we're going to get into the scriptures a little bit this morning, and it's going to be a little bit heavy. It's going to be a little bit uh, strong. It's going to be a little bit convicting, uh, a little bit challenging, but it's not condemning. I want you to know that, because... When we get to heaven, first and foremost, my, jo- my job and my goal, one thing that David said in the first service, they didn't say in the second, and that happens. We always hear different things when we're talking. Is He talked about the pastor breaking the leg of the sheep and, 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 and they, so that they would not be able to move, so that as they nurtured them and fed them and got them back to strength, they learned how to know the voice of the pastor, the shepherd. And then they, and they would never wander off again because they now knew the voice and they knew the correction of the shepherd. And so we have to understand that one of the things that I've realized in my life after many years of preaching the gospel is I have not found any scriptures that tell me that I'm supposed to be your friend. Amen? It's not my job to be your friend. It's my job to challenge you. It's my job to help you get to heaven. It's my job to make sure that when the rapture happens, nobody's left behind. It's my job to, to, to make sure that when we get to heaven, we're high-fiving each other for the fruit that we have in our lives because we were challenged by the Word of God and we tried to take it serious. Can I get an amen? Because that might be the only amen I get today. Amen. Y'all, y'all, y'all here? 
So how many can relate to this story? As, as, as we're living our lives, and we're going to see this in the scriptures this morning, everything we do, everything we do is a building block for the house that we're going to spend eternity in. We are building our own houses today, and I know that might sound crazy to you because some of you have never built anything, but I want to show you in the scriptures today that we are building our own house, and my question to you is what kind of house am I building? And as you're thinking about this, every nail that's hammered, every board that's put down, every wall that's erected, every screw that's put in, everything that's done needs to be done for God with integrity and character and excellence because we serve a God of excellence. Does anybody believe that this morning? So whether you believe it or not or know it or not this morning, every one of us from down from kids to adults are building a house. You didn't know you were a contractor. You didn't know you were a builder, but you are. And you're going to see that in the scriptures this morning. And I want to give you some homework right now if you're taking notes. And I love to see these young people taking notes. Matthew 25. I'd, please don't go there right now. Just write it down. I want that for homework. I want you to read it later. Many of you will know Matthew 25. Some of you will think about the parable of the virgins. But what I want you to read later, and please don't do it now because I need you to stay focused, is the part about the, the talents, where God goes to us at the end. How many know there's going to be an end, by the way? When I say that, that means an eternity. That means that if you'll talk to anybody in this world today that is religious, and we're not religious, we believe in relationship, but if you talk to people in other religions, as you witness to people, as I do, I talk to people, Muslims and, and uh, Hindus and different people from different religions, they all believe that we're going to spend a life, a life of eternal life. But most people believe that they're going to get there by their good works. That they're going to do more good than they're going to do bad. And the Bible says, Jesus said, no one's good. Nobody's good. In fact, he says in Isaiah, prophesying of Jesus thousands of years before, our righteousness, our goodness is filthy rags. What sets the Christian walk apart from every other belief in the world is that every belief is, is works-oriented. To be accepted by that deity, God said, no, I'm going to come down and do the work for you. I'm going to give you access to heaven. And then once you accept me as your Lord and Savior, then you begin to do works in thanksgiving for what I've done for you. How many see the difference? So once we accept Christ, we begin to build. We, get, we begin to build. And think of it this way. Maybe this will help you. We begin to build. If you don't understand the house part, you've heard you made the bed, you've got to lay in it. Maybe that relates to more people here than the building, for those that don't build. Whatever it is that you need is your analogy. Whatever you're doing on a daily basis now that you've accepted Christ is you are setting something. You're going you're to deal with your actions later. Does that make sense? Now, let's get into this a little bit, and, and, and please read that later, the parable of the talents. But 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 11, we're going to talk for just a moment about who, who we're talking about, which is the King of kings and the Lord of lords, Jesus. And this is what also sets a... How many know there's only one truth? Can't be two or three truths. There's only one truth. Jesus, the Bible says, is the foundation, and it says no one can lay any other foundation... And just leave this verse up there for a second, please. Then Jesus Christ. Any belief that is not on the foundation of Jesus will fall. These aren't my words. These are God's words himself. 
It says, no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is already laid, which is Christ Jesus. Okay, now you can go ahead and take that down for a second. How many know what a foundation is? An actual literal foundation. We're sitting on one. There is a foundation of this building of cement. A few years ago when we moved out here to this building, before we knew we were going to buy land up the road, and God was going to open that door, the Lord gave me a word, which was, I, they're few and far in between with me, but it was very clear that as we were moving out here, God was moving us ahead of the growth of Denton. And if you remember five years ago when I said that, and you begin to look now, I don't say that to brag, by the way. I say it to brag on God, because it's being fulfilled. All from here back to Denton is construction and apartments. If you go down to 380, everything we're now at home is, and, uh, and uh, whatever groceries, uh, win, win, Winnie the Pooh, uh, what is it? Winco, sorry. <laughs> I sound like Pastor Mario. Winco, amen. Win Dixie, whatever. All that stuff, does, the, the movie theater, the bowling alley, the rooms to go, everything that's there wasn't there five years ago. All these houses, all these apartments. And to say this, to say this, right behind us, just straight that way, going northwest, is a development right behind us, they're building 600 houses. And they've been working, if you've noticed, on that foundation for about six months to a year. Why are they working so long on that foundation? Because the foundation is everything. If you don't have a good foundation, everything else crumbles. The reason that so many religions crumble is because their foundation is on the wrong person. Jesus, the Bible says, is the chief cornerstone. We don't understand that either because we live in a day where everything is made cheap. Everything's made like this story, quick and easy for a buck. Things, how many would agree with me today, are not made today like they were 100 years ago. 100 years ago when they built the church, they built it out of stone. And they would build it off of a cornerstone, which would be the foundation of that building. And everything built was built on where that stone was placed how it was placed, and that if that stone down the road was pulled out, the entire structure would fall. Jesus is the chief cornerstone of our faith. Why do they talk so much about Jesus? Because he's the cornerstone. He's the foundation. If we don't get Jesus right, we don't get God right. Can I get a better amen? amen. So he's the chief cornerstone. He's that first stone that everything else is based on. Now, I want to give you for free this morning, Galatians chapter 1, verse 8. For somebody who likes to witness and likes to talk about Jesus to people, uh, there are many religions, as I mentioned Wednesday, today in the world that have added books to the Bible. Although Revelation says, do not add or take away from this book. If you add to this book, the plagues will be added to. If you take away from this book, your name will be taken out of the book of life. And many false religions and false doctrines today will come up to you and talk about Jesus. And they'll make it sound like he's the cornerstone. But then they'll say, but we need to get in your hands for your reading this book. There's many. I don't have to name the names. It doesn't matter. But there's a verse in the Bible that I love to go to. And the Lord gave it to me several years ago. And some of these guys on bicycles came to my neighborhood. And they were talking to me about Jesus, and I knew what they were doing, and they wanted to give me the book. They put the book out, and the Lord gave me this verse, Galatians chapter 1, verse 8, if you'll look at it with me. But even if we 
or an angel from heaven, because many religions today base their faith off of a spoken word of an angel. Well, the angel came and gave me this book or that book or the other book. Paul says, knowing by the Holy Spirit, if we are anyone from heaven, preach any other gospel to you than what we have preached to you, let him be blessed. What does it say? That's a pretty strong word, isn't it? And then in the following verse, not just to fill time or fill space, he says, as we've said before, and now I say again, if anyone, say anyone, anyone preaches any other gospel, what's the gospel? Jesus came to die on the cross for our sins. He rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven. He's coming back again. He's the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes unto him except through the, through the Father, except through him. Though we were dead, we shall live. Jesus is the cornerstone. If you try to get to heaven through any other door, the Bible says you're a thief. That's what I'm talking about. And it says, if you preach any other gospel, again, let him be accursed. Read that verse to those people, and they'll jump on their bicycles and run out of your neighborhood. Because they're not, they have no rebuttal. That was free, by the way. Ephesians chapter 2, that was for somebody, verse 19. Now, therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. You know why we don't do for the Lord what God wants us to do? Because we don't really believe or understand sometimes who we are. We don't understand that we're royalty. See, no one's ever called you royalty, have they? You know the Bible calls us a royal priesthood? A chosen generation. Just, just, just for fun, just tell the person next to you, you're royalty. And think about when was the last time ever, anybody ever told you that? Do you believe that this morning? Do you believe God's word? He says if we believe in him, we're royalty. We're a royal priesthood, a chosen generation, a holy generation. And, and we're, we're not strangers and foreigners anymore. We're fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God that have gone on before us and preached the gospel. And it says, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. I tell you this all the time, church. The apostles and the prophets got the word to us today. We've got to get the word to the next generation. How many will stand with me today and say, we're not going to let this ball get dropped? We need to pass it on to the next generation. But we need to begin to think about, for a second, before I continue reading, stay with me. Is, uh, I can kind of relate today the way construction happens to how the church is happening. Today, some of you unfortunately live uh, in, in new homes that as much as you don't want to know it, aren't built very well. Amen? They don't, I'm not saying, yours probably is, but most houses today are built fast and built cheap and built to make money, and they're, they're called, uh, unless it's a custom home, they're called track homes, and they're just popping them out. And today that seems to be the attitude and the spirit of the church. Let's just get it done, get it fast, get them in, get them out. But we're not really building a foundation, and we're not really spending Sundays for the Lord anymore. We're not really selling out to God anymore. We're just kind of checking the box. And the relation between how things are built today and how the church is is very parallel. How many know we need to be a church that's building a foundation that our kids and our grandkids are going to stand on. 
that they're going to look back and they're they're going to say, my mom and dad took me to church. Church was not an option to us. I'm standing here today as probably fifth generation blessed by God with parents and grandparents and aunts and uncles who served God. I've got, I've got uh, great uncles who were at the beginning of the Assemblies of God denomination when it started in 1914. That, you know what? Don't be mad and jealous. Say, that's what I want to give to my kids. I want to pass that on to my grandkids. Well, as my kids get older, I want them to look back and say, that we serve God. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. How many want to pass that, that on to your kids? Now, how many in here have not been raised in church? Let me see your hands. You don't have that. Look around. Look how, look how exciting that is that you, you, you're coming in for the first time. Now you get to change things. You get to start passing that down to your kids and, and them learning from you. And so we're, we're going to relate that, the building today of the church, to the building of how things are built today. How many know when something breaks today, you just go get a new one? Nothing's built to last anymore. And when something's built to last, they used to build homes differently. Carl and I were just able to buy a house that's 100 years old, and it is built really well. They built things good 100 years ago. Amen? And we like to watch this show called In With The Old. It's on the Magnolia. We don't watch TV that much, but when we do, we watch that show and we enjoy it. And what it does is it shows an old house all over different parts of the country, and they'll show the history of it. They'll go buy it. It's abandoned. It's been, it's been forgotten, and they, and they fix it up, and they find the history about it, and they, and they go in there, and they find things that were in the walls, and they, they find uh, you know, how structurally strong it was. And sometimes, like the house we bought, they moved. They went from one point to another. It was like a historical house. And when we, when we went to buy it, it said 2007 on the house. And we got there, and I told Carl, this ain't a 15-year-old house. This thing's at least 60 or 70 years old. And then we got the inspection, and it was 100 years old. How many know they don't build things today like they used to? We need to be a church that's built on the foundation of Jesus like the church used to be. How many want to be a part of that church this morning that's, that's strong and that's going to last? How many are still here? So he says, he's back to the verse, he's the chief cornerstone in, watch this, in whom the whole building being fitted together grows into a holy temple in the Lord in whom you are also being built, look at the word built, together for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. When we come together, we want this to be a place where God can dwell. So if somebody comes in for the first time and they leave, they, they may not remember the message, but they said, God was in that place. I felt God's presence. I know God's real. He's in that place. We're trying to come in and, and make a, a place for people to, to receive that. Now, now this is where it's going to say, this is the meat. Tell the person next to you, this is where it gets meaty right here. This is where it's important, okay? 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Now, if anyone builds, and by the way, I've got a disclaimer for you. We're all building. We are all building. Not me. Yes, we're all building. Every day, we're building. We're building our house because if you believe the Bible, and every religion believes this, there's an afterlife. There's an eternity. And we're going to go somewhere. And how many know, biblically, There's two places you go to. Not three, not four, not five, two. You go to heaven, you go to hell. I didn't write the book, just the messenger, don't shoot me. 
Do you believe that? Am I in the right place? I'm going to heaven. You're going to heaven. We're going to heaven. How many are going to heaven this morning? So when we get to heaven, are we just going to float around and with harps? No. Before we even get to heaven for, the, for, for, for a long time, we're going to be back on this earth. The Bible calls it a millennial reign. And we're going to be on this earth living, and the Bible says, ruling and reigning for a thousand years with Jesus. And we're going to have positions. We're going to have jobs. The house that you're building right now, we're going to get into this for the next few minutes, is what you're going to live in in eternity. After our mortal bodies are no longer mortal. Okay, am I speaking to anybody that's, am I, am I talking from the Bible? Y'all look at me like a cow looks at a new gate. I am preaching from the Bible, right? Okay, I'm just making sure. So say, say we're all building. If anyone builds on this foundation, what foundation? Jesus as the cornerstone. We build with gold, silver, precious stones. So there's six materials the Bible says we build with. Gold, silver, precious stones, or, leave this up for a second please, wood, hay, straw, or stubble. Those are, the, those are the building materials. Those are our works. What are our works? Everything we do. Those are our works. Well, I thought you said we weren't saved. We weren't, we're not saved by works. This is what we do after we get saved. This is how God grades us. Too many people are stuck on, well, God's a God of grace, and we're saved by... Yes, we are. But what are you going to do with your salvation? Now that you're saved... God expects something from you. Do you believe that? He doesn't expect you to do anything before you get saved because you just have to receive it. But that thief on the cross isn't going to have much of a reward because he came in the last few seconds of his life. So he didn't have a chance to do anything for God. But he's saying here something very profound, which is I'm off of my title. What kind of house are you building? Gold, silver, precious stones, Wood, hay, stubble. Next verse, please. Each one's work, not the person on your left, not the person on your right, your work, my work, will become clear. You ever heard the saying, it'll all come out in the light? Okay? Listen, to be clear, this is not talking about sin. I'm talking this morning at this moment to believers. If you're not a believer, I'm not talking to you. You can become a believer this morning, but I'm talking to believers. And if you're a believer, this is not talking about sin. This is talking about your works. Because once you get judged by God in the judgment seat of Christ, it will not be for sins. It will be for works. Y'all following me on that? It says, for the day, the day of judgment, will declare it because it will be revealed by fire. And the fire will test each one's work. So in other words, we're, our, our building that we're building is going to be tested. We're going to know in the end if we built our house with the right material or if we cut corners. It says what sort of each is. Now I, I have, and you go, go ahead, that's fine. I have a, the thing I use, and I'm still waiting for someone to give me a better one. I would love to have it because I'd like to have a new one. But my idea of this is a conveyor belt. And God puts our works on it, good and bad. Gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble. And it starts to go through the, through the fire. 
and it comes out on the other side, and whatever's gold, silver, and precious stones is still there, and whatever's not, it's burnt, and it's gone. And that's our reward. Can you, can you guys picture that with me? So that's what we're building for. And we're doing it, at, hopefully, out of appreciation to what Jesus did for us. Not out of compulsion, out of appreciation. To show me somebody who has no works, and I'll show you someone who doesn't really love Jesus. Let me, let me say that over here to somebody. That, show me somebody who doesn't have any works, and you're going to show me someone who does not know Jesus. Show me somebody who does works, and I'll say, that person loves the Lord because they're thankful. They're not doing it to be accepted. They're doing it because, thank God, by his grace, we are accepted into his kingdom, forgiven of all of our sins, sins thrown into the depth of the sea. If you get this, it'll change your life. If anyone's work which he has built on, see, we're all building, endures. So you, you, can, I, can I get past that part? We're all building. It just depends on what we're building with. Every day we're building. Every day when we react to things, we're building. Every day when our character's tested, we're building. Every day when we talk, we're building. Every day when we react, we're building. We're building. We're building. We're building. Every day we're building. What are we building? That's the question. Is it wood, hay, and stubble, or is it gold, silver, and precious stones? And the last verse says, watch this. If anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be. Now, here's the, here's the you can take that yet as though through fire. So that means some people are going to get into heaven like this with the fire extinguisher hitting their behind. That's how the thief got in. They're like, <laughs> I mean, he's got smoke. Right? They said, go back to, in case you didn't see the last part. It said, as though through some smoke coming out. I don't want to just slide into heaven. I want to show God how much I appreciate what he's done for me on the cross. I, you've heard me say this before. When they bring my reward in, I hope that they have to have a, uh, uh, I forgot it again. A forklift. Someone said a bulldozer in the first service. I like that even better. They're hard to say, beep, 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 beep. Oh, yeah, that's my reward right there. Yes. Amen? Not so I can boast. The Bible tells me so that I can give it back to Jesus. You want to have a 25-cent gumball machine prize to give back to Jesus? That's why we do works. What kind of house are you building? What kind of works are you doing? So that that house is going to pass through the fire. Romans 14 says, why do you judge your brother? Or why do you show contempt for your brother? And a lot of times we can look at that and there's a part truth to it that we're judging their sins. It's not that. In other words, what I take out of this is don't look at see who, well, they're not doing it. They're not going to the prayer room. Why do I got to go to the prayer room? They're not going on outreach. Why do I got to go on outreach? I don't see them pulling their checkbook out. Why do I got to get my checkbook out? That's the wrong attitude. Because they're building their house. And I'm building my house. And I'm going to live in my house. I'm not going to live in their house. And you're not going to live in my house. 
Y'all following this? It says, for we shall stand, oh, all, sorry, we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Let me give you another disclaimer. We're going to be judged whether we want to or not. Well, I don't believe in hell. Well, you're going to wake up to a hell of a surprise. <laughs> Amen? That's the truth. I don't believe. Well, you will. You know that verse that says, every knee shall bow and every tongue will confess? It won't be by obligation. It'll be, Jesus is Lord. But unfortunately, it will be in judgment day, on the great white throne judgment. I choose to say, Jesus is Lord today. While I'm alive, while I'm on this earth, before I pass into eternity. Does anybody join me in that? Jesus is Lord. Lord. And so we're, we're understanding that if I'm going to have to stand in judgment, then I better get my act together. Because I'm going to stand there whether I want to or not, and we're either going to be at the great white throne judgment or we're going to be at the judgment seat of Christ. We don't get a chance or a choice whether or not we're judged. We get a choice where. And we want to be at the one that's in heaven where's the award banquet and, and again, you can be that person. Listen, I'll let you. You can be that person that just wants to be there. Go ahead and be that person. I don't want to be that person. Some people are so complacent, not just in God, in their lives. Not trying to be mean. You're just so complacent. You just want to, as long as you get in, you're good. That, and that, can be, that could be okay at your job or in your marriage. Shouldn't be. But... It shouldn't be that way with God. We should be saying, God, how can I wake up every single day and honor you? How can I, how can I live for you? How can I glorify you with my life? And I'm going to show you some ways how. How many would like to know some ways how? I'm going to tell you anyways, but if you'd like to know some ways that we can work on, I'm going to give you a few before we close. Areas that we can build. Areas that we are building. Because, again, we are building whether we know it or not. First, first and foremost is, is our way we live, our conduct. You know who the biggest cause of atheism is in the world? Christians. Christians. Because they don't see a godly example. Because when I say this, I'm saying this generally in the world. God forbid that it be us. They don't see a difference. They don't see a life change. Tell me, no, when we get saved, we should be different. We shouldn't talk the way we used to talk. We shouldn't think the way we used to think. We shouldn't go to the places we used to go to. We shouldn't do the things we used to do. I'm not talking about human error, making a mistake, getting mad. We all have those problems, amen? We got two people in here today that found themselves at the altar figuring out that they were going to beat each other up a couple years ago on the freeway. Raise your hands, you two, so everybody can see your hands. They met at the altar. I remember you. They were going to beat each other up on the freeway. We're, we're human. We make mistakes. But I'm talking about living a life under God and saying, Lord, how can I carry myself so that when someone looks at me, they see Jesus? I know it's kind of an old-fashioned thing, but WWJD still works. 
What would Jesus do? What would Jesus say? Where would Jesus go? How would Jesus think? He's our example. And inside of our conduct and our lives, the way we carry ourselves, remember, parents, your kids are watching you. It is our job as a church to help Andy and Jocelyn with their beautiful daughter. It's their job to raise them, raise her, not ours. Well, they'll teach her at church. No, you teach them at home. And we confirm at church what you're teaching them. How to pray, how to talk, how to live. Don't tell your kids, do as I do, not as I do as I say, not as I do. Can't do that. Doesn't work. Conduct. How we how we carry ourselves at school, how we carry ourselves at work. Let me know we should be glorifying God and honoring God at our workplace. Christians should be the best employees. Christians should be the best examples. What do you hear nowadays? We have people in our church that serve in, as waiters and, and, and are going through school and they're serving at different places and they say that they know when the Christians come in. How sad is that? Because they don't tip. I said they're the worst. The biggest groups, loudest groups, ask the most. Don't. Let me just f- chase a rabbit for a second. When you ask for something at a restaurant as a Christian, can you say please? Hello? Uh, bring me some more bacon. Please? Just because you're paying them doesn't mean they're your servant. Oh, this is better than your amen, but that's okay. Shouldn't I'm not saying we don't forget sometimes, but thank you. Thank you. Please. Can you do me a favor? Amen? amen. Conduct. Write this down. The way you talk to people and the way you treat people. That's a work. Now, some of you, I hope it's not the case, is, are going to be so hard-headed, you're just going to say, this is just the way I am. Well, you're going to eat and live in that house. Hello? Anybody home? You keep being that way, and you're going to keep building blocks for the house you're going to live in. we got to change. How many can change in here this morning? How many have changed? How many want to keep changing? I know we have. I've seen your changes, but we're not done. We can get better. We can do better. So our conduct, the way we carry ourselves. Here's another one. Your faithfulness to God's house. I know it's not popular today because we got sports and we got events and we got this and we got that. And, and it used to be all day. You don't even know the days when church was all day. Church Sunday was God's day. Now, now it's just go check the box, be there, get in, get out, one, 45 minutes, boom, on to the next thing. How many know God's still God and he deserves praise? So attendance to God's house, saying I'm going to make, make a commitment because, listen, parents, your kids aren't going to go to church if you don't. They're not going to do it. Oh, I felt that one bounce around. Well, you're saying, but I'm here. Yeah, but you're not always here. Be consistent. You know why we try to get people involved? So they have to be accountable. So they have to be here. You think that we, let me tell you, I could, we could, I could do it all. I, I don't care. I could sing, take up the offering, usher, go back with the kids, count, do, I can do it all. It's not for my benefit, it's for yours. To help you stay accountable. Have someone that says, hey, I'm not going to make it today. Can you, can, you, can you forgive me? Sure, of course, but don't do it every week. 
Y'all following me? Every time you come to church, it's like putting a block in the wall. And don't get weary. The Bible says don't get weary in in well-doing. For in due season, you will reap a harvest. Every time you do the right thing, your kids are watching. And then your kids are going to do that with their kids. We think of the leaving an inheritance to your kids and your grandkids. That's not just money. That, that, my, my parents have, have had a blessing. They're here today. Have had a blessing lately in their lives after many years of being faithful. But there was many years that they had, if they had died, they had nothing to leave us but debt. Y'all with me? But I used to say all the time, now they own a house paid off, praise God. But wait, don't. But I used to say, my parents have left me better than any money could ever leave me. A marriage and a godly example in my life that's better than any finances. Taking me to church, praying for me, living a godly life. When my dad and I worked together, he, he taught me so many things, but he made me mad at the same time. He'd go, we'd go, we, we'd, we'd done it all. We've, we've done every business you can think of. But we'd go clean carpets. He'd go show up at a church, and we'd go clean a, a whole, whole church for free. And I was saved, but I wasn't sanctified yet. Say, Dad, we, I got to pay the rent. God's going to bless us. That's the example I have. Giving. What are you leaving? What kind of blocks are you putting into your kids by coming to church? They're going to do what you do. Next, prayer, prayer and serving. Praying and serving. Every time you choose not to pray, you're missing out on an opportunity to be with God. Let me give you a nugget that I have learned. You can get to a place in your life where you want to pray. You don't want to miss that time with God because you're spending time with the King of Lord of Lords. You can get to that place, but you got to do the little, little blocks. You got you to do the little things and establish little things. Sometimes you think, why do they want me to be at prayer? Why do they want me to be at practice? Why do they want me to be at church? Because we're trying to help you have discipline. On discipleship on Friday mornings, we start at 527 or 528. Just depends whichever number I put. And when we get over to that table and there's about 20 of us, I say, who was here on time? And they know that means before 527. You know what I'm trying to teach them? Discipline. I'm trying to give them, and we come in here and pray for 20 minutes. I'm trying to teach them how to do their lives on Monday and Wednesday and Saturday. We're not doing this for our benefit. We're doing it for God's benefit. But the, but the truth is, we really are doing it for our benefit. Because everything you do for the Lord is going to come back. Because he is a rewarder. Can I get an amen? amen? Another one is, by the way, write this down. Prayer is never wasted time. Prayer is never wasted time, and prayer is never unanswered or unheard. God hears them all. And as Pastor Mario says a bunch of times, I forget about this, it's so powerful. Our tears are bottled up. He has the bottle of our tears. He keeps good records. Maybe you've done something before and you thought, nobody saw that. That's good. You know who saw it? God. God saw that. And God writes down good books. Another area, as I close, is giving. Today's Mission Sunday. 
Do you come in on a mission Sunday and say, man, I can't afford to give? Or do you go, this is another opportunity for me to give some money into an eternal bank account? This is an opportunity for me to put some money somewhere where God sees it and it's going to go to the Congo or Costa Rica or Mexico or, or Africa and it's going to do something powerful and it's going to do better than any interest rate could ever do. And I'd rather be broke at the end of the week and have given to missions than have money sitting in my account. Give. Because every dime you give is being counted and it's going to be rewarded. And finally, Outreach, evangelism, witnessing, telling people about Jesus. Don't you want to have somebody in heaven that you took there? Hello, don't you want to have some people walk up to you and say, I'm here because of you? You told me about, you passed a track out to me. You invited me to church. Tell people, it's our job just to plant the seed. Tell them about Jesus and it's, it's their choice. If they choose or not. Musicians, you can begin to come, please. Last verse. Ties all this up. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Watch this. What do we do? How do we do this? How do we build a good house? Therefore, we make it our aim. You know what aiming is? Trying. You're not always going to. No, no one is perfect and is going to hit the, the, red, the red dot every time but we're aiming for it. We can't be perfect, but we can aim for perfection. We can wake up every day and say, God, help me to be the best example I can today of you. Today, please, today, I want to be the best example. And I'm going to aim, whether present or absent, to be well-pleasing to you. And then watch what it says. My, not my words. For we must all, doesn't say some, appear before what? The judgment seat of Christ. That each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. Wood, hay, and stubble, gold, silver, precious stones. Again, this is not sin. Our sins are not going to be brought up. Can anybody be thankful for that? Y'all with me? Our sins are not going to be brought up in heaven. God would be a liar. What's going to be brought up is all the opportunities we had to do good and bad. And the bad is going to be where we could have done better. That's why we have to fight laziness, complacency, bitterness, anger, frustration, all those different things, we got to fight them. Temptation to, sometimes it's not just, we're not talking about, I'm not even talking about sin today. I'm talking about the temptation to do, to not do the right thing. To just stay home. To not witness to, how many, how many here on a weekly basis have, God tells you, speak to someone and you don't do it. You don't do it every time. Those things are going to be brought up. We're gonna, it's going to be lost. That person wanted Jesus, but you didn't tell them. It's not going to be sin, but it's going to be things we could have done for God. So today, I leave you with this. What house, what kind of house are you building? It's personal. This is why the gospel's personal. 
We're not going to have anybody to blame at the end. We're going to stand before God, and we're going to give an account for our own personal lives. What did you do with your marriage? What did you do with your kids? What did you do with your finances? What did you do with your gift to speak to people? What did you do with your talents? That's what you're going to read in Matthew 25 with your homework. He says, to some I gave two. To another one I gave five. To another one I gave one. You know we don't have any control over how many talents God gives us. We only have control over what we do with what he gives us. Have you ever met someone and said, God gave them all the talents? They got 10, I got one. Have you ever met somebody like that? They got all the talent. Well, they're going to be accountable for that talent. The more talented you are, the more accountable you are. So what are you doing this morning? What are you building? That's my challenge for you. Because when Jesus comes back and we stand before God, I want this church to be a church full of fruit. I want us to be high-fiving each other, happy that we're giving a reward back to the Lord. Amen? Father, speak to us this morning, challenge us this morning, discipline us this morning, remind us this morning that everything we do, everything we say, Lord, all I have done this morning is preach your word, and it started with me. You spoke to me before I speak to these people always. God, I'm working on the house that I'm building, and I'm tempted many times to cut corners. As Solomon said, Lord, it's the little foxes that spoil the vine. Help me to major in the minors. Help me to be conscious consistently of how I'm carrying myself as a godly believer in Jesus Christ. Lord, what a privilege it is. I don't have to give. I don't have to sing. I don't have to preach. I don't have to witness. I don't have to pray. I don't have to read the Bible. I get to. I get to be a part of the eternal kingdom of God. What a privilege. Lord, speak individually to every person here today and let them begin to build. The good thing about the gospel is there's mercy here today. If people haven't been building upon gold, silver, and precious stones today, they can say, Lord, I'm going to start today. I'm going to start making some better decisions. I'm going to be more faithful. I'm going to be more committed. I'm going to be more diligent. I'm going to have more integrity. I'm going to spend more thoughts about the the, the house that I'm building today. The example that I'm giving. As heads are bowed and eyes are closed, not only in this place, but online and on the podcast, the Holy Spirit is speaking to people. And today, we're talking, as I said earlier, to believers. We're talking about our reward. But before you ever get to that place, you must come to an understanding that Jesus is knocking on the door of your heart. He died on the cross. The the penalty's been paid for your sins. And all you need to do is reject or accept. That's your choice. God gives you free will. Today, if you want to make heaven your home, today, if you want to spend eternity with God and in the most beautiful place you could ever even imagine with the most peace and comfort, Jesus has made a way. The Bible says he's the door. He's the way, the truth, and the life. He says, I'm the resurrection and the life. Though you were dead, you shall live. He who believes in me shall never die. How many all across this congregation today could be honest with God and say, today, if I stood before God, He would not be my Savior. He would be my judge. 
but you want that to change. Today, you want to give Jesus your life. Just put your hand up all over this place. You're talking to me, Pastor. I want to pray for you. I see your hand. How many more? I want to be saved today. I don't know your heart. I don't know your intentions. I don't know your thoughts, but God does. Maybe you're here today, and at some point you did that prayer. You gave your life to Jesus, but today you are on the wrong path. You have strayed away. By God's grace, he's asking you today, come back. You may feel like you're 100 feet away, 100 steps away. You've made 100 mistakes. It's just one step back. I see your hand. It's just one step back to God. He is a merciful God. He's a graceful God. He's a loving God. Church, everything I talked about this morning is not about hell. I'm not talking about hell this morning. That's a different message. I'm talking about your eternal reward. I'm talking about the house you're going to live in. How are you building it? I want you to be happy. I want you to be fulfilled. I want you to be glad that you served God when you get to heaven. That's my job. That's my call, to motivate myself and then to motivate you. Today we can get right with God, and we can get on that right path. Now I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand for this, because I believe all of us could raise our hand for this. But today we're going to take a few moments at the altar, and we're going to say, God, help me to build a better house. Help me to realize that everything I say and everything I do are building blocks on my eternal home. As we stand this morning all across this place, we're going to open up these altars. And once we get to the altars and we find a place, I'm going to say a prayer for those that are watching online. So just begin to come. I believe this is a message we can all respond to. Don't be condemned today. I'm not condemning you. I'm challenging you. I'm, 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 I'm reminding you that we're building a house. What are we building? Nobody in here is exempt from needing to make some changes on a daily basis. That's why we have church on Wednesdays. That's why we have small groups. That's why we have breakaway. We're not just trying to sound busy. We're trying to make it. How many in here would be honest this morning with me and with the congregation, and you come from a lifestyle in your past where you, you, you partied pretty heavy? Lift your hand. Look around. Keep it up for a second. You, you, you stayed out late. You, 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 were, you were awake Sunday mornings at 9 o'clock sometimes. You did some wild things. Look, look at a lot of hands. It's a lot of hands. Okay, you can put them down. You, you were radical for your sin. You'd, you'd, get, you'd get up and go to work after, with no sleep. But, but like Pastor Paul said last week, isn't it funny how we change? Now we get saved and we can't get up for church on Sunday morning. And we're sober. What happened to us? Right? Why do we why do why can why can we do that? Why can we do that for the devil? But we won't do church for God. That should be convicting. Jesus went to that cross. Died the most horrible death anybody's ever died and suffered knowing so many people would reject him. That blows me away. Blows me away when I think about, I wouldn't do that. Knowing so many people were going to mock him and reject him, he still did it. That's the God we serve. 
I said in the first service, so many religions today are, and I may have said it in the second, are trying to, to ask people to get up to them, to be good enough, to do works. Everybody I talk to, oh, if you're a good person, and I believe if you're decent and you treat people good, and you, that's how everybody thinks. Jesus said, no, there's no one good. Your righteousness is filthy rags. You're a sinner. You're condemned to death. But I've come to give you life. And he went to that cross, paid a price. The least, Romans 12 says, the least I can do is honor him. It's my reasonable sacrifice. So next time we're tempted to stay home because we're tired or not go on a Wednesday night because school's the next day and our kids aren't going to get enough sleep, whatever it is, get your kids into church. Get your family into church. And one day, you'll be happy you did. You won't regret it. You'll be thankful when your kids are standing in heaven with you. Amen? What, what can I do today to put some gold, silver, and precious stones? Not so Jesus will love me more, but so that I can show Jesus how much I love him. See how we get it backwards so many times? I'm going to go do this so Jesus will love me more. There's no way Jesus could even love you more. There's no way. He loves us in a way we can't even understand. The problem is we need to do it because we love him. When I go outreach, when I, when I tell someone about Jesus, when I give, when I pray, when I do these things, I'm trying to tell God. I, I, I don't get tired of it. I say, Lord, I'm, I can't thank you enough that I'm saved. My words, my words are always going to fall short, but my actions can do better than my words. Let me show you, God, to the best of my ability. Yes, I have days I fail. Yes, I have days I'm lazy, just like everybody else, but I want to win that battle more than I lose it. So I can put those blocks in so that my kids and my grandkids can look back like I do on my grandparents and say they were godly people. They finished the race. They did the right thing. How many want that this morning? Why? So we can put it back at Jesus' feet. Amen? Let's say this all together. Lord Jesus, we're sinners. We admit that. We understand that. We're born in sin. And the wages of our sin is death. Eternal separation from you. But I thank you that you came down from heaven, lived a perfect life, went to the cross, gave your life for me as a ransom for my eternity, sacrificed your life, bled and died, and gave it for me so I could be saved and I could be forgiven. And then you rose from the dead and defeated death so I could live forever. I believe that accept that and walk in that today. Jesus, be my Lord from this day forward. Help me to walk in your ways and glorify you in everything I do. In Jesus' name. And devil, I don't serve you anymore. I'm not going to listen to your words, your lies, or your accusations. I am a child of God. Get out of my life in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks again for listening. If you want to hear more messages, please subscribe to our podcast channel. 
And if you like it, consider rating it and sharing it with your friends. For more content from VWO Denton, go to our website at vwotexas.com.